In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Pertzer, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all-weather performance with premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations so you can rep your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize. Check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now next on the tee with me is PGA Tour legend Tom Pertzer. Tom is from Des Moines, Iowa. Played his college golf at Arizona State from 1970 to 1973. Turned pro a little bit later on than that 73 year. Got his first tour victory at the 1977 Glen Campbell Los Angeles Open, winning by one stroke over Lanny Watkins. Tom won five times on the PGA Tour, four times on the Champions Tour. In all, he has 15 professional wins and 59 top 10 finishes, and what has always been said to have the sweetest golf swing on tour. And it's a huge thrill to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good, as far as I know. <laughs> That's good news. It's it's, it's nice getting so, Tom, I wanna... TP. Yeah, how about that? I was when uh, Tom and I were uh, talking before the show uh, went live. You know, one TP knows another TP, so that's fantastic. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Tom, I want to start our time tonight by kind of going back to your time at Arizona State. Both you and your brother Paul both played there, so clearly a golf family affair at Arizona State. Where did the love for the game come from as you were a kid, and why why Arizona State for the two of you? Well, I think a lot of it. My dad was my dad loved to play the game. Um, he had played. He, he he grew up in Nebraska, and he started playing. He keeps telling me on sand greens back in Nebraska. I can't imagine doing that, but that's what he said they did. So he, I mean, he truly loved the game. Um, he was a, just a family practice doctor. So he, you know, every Wednesday afternoon and, and the weekend Saturday, he'd, he'd go play as much as he could. And 
you know, he, he tried to get both of us involved, and we were both baseball players until kind of just out of um, – just in the middle of high school, I just – you know, we decided to, just to play golf. and um, um, But he, that's how we got started. He just – he loved the game. And and the ASU part was uh, – that, that was an easy fix just because, you know, I got to stay home – I got to stay close to home and, you know, the weather was great for playing golf. Uh, you know, we didn't have to put the clubs up for three or four months because of the weather. So that was, you know, I think that was an easy deal. And my brother went there before I did. So, you know, I kind of, kind of wanted to follow my big brother. Um, and that was, that was kind of how we managed, uh, ASU. Did you and your brother get to play together for one year, or was he going out as you were coming in? He was going out, as, as you remember. I'm sure you when, – when when I was a freshman, freshmen couldn't play on any of the teams. I don't, I think it was golf, basketball, whatever it was. When you were a freshman, you weren't able to uh, to play on the, on the team. So uh, that was – and that was his last year. So I missed, I missed getting to play with him. Tom, there are so many great players that have come out of Arizona State. I, you know, after you and your brother, I mean, Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Paul Casey, Pat Perez, Tez Reeve, Billy Mayfair, Howard Twitty, Bob Gilder, Joanne Carner. Such a great golf history there at Arizona State. Talk about what it was like playing at Arizona State and then having, you know, legends of the game coming there before, during, and after you. Well, we had – like you know, when my brother played, he had a bunch of good, good guys on his team. He played good. The guy from uh, Mike Morley, Joe Porter, uh, a, you know, a number of guys that played there. But you know, I think when when I went there, we had uh, you know Howard Quiddy and and Bob Gilder and Charlie Gibson. Um, we had a we had a good team. We it seemed like we didn't play, we never played good together at the same time. So we kind of struggled as a, as a team, but we had some pretty good players. Uh, and then I think, you know, when, when Phil went there, um, that kind of got, that kind of got the program uh, on track and, uh, you know, they started doing a lot. Of, they, they had a, they built a golf course there at Arizona state. So they had a good practice facility um, and a good place to play. You know, when we were growing up, we just, we, we got on all the country club, well, the golf courses in in the Phoenix area. We didn't have really a home place, so you know we were we were driving all over the place trying to find places to play. But um, it's it's totally different now. They've got now they have one of the best practice facilities I've ever seen. Short game facilities. Uh, it's it's beyond comprehension what what you can do. Phil Phil did a really nice job designing it designing it and um it's world class i don't know i can't imagine another practice area better than arizona state university and tom you turned pro in 1973 77 you're 25 years old you get your first victory on tour what was then the glenn campbell la open at uh, riviera which i believe was the 50th anniversary of that tournament and Riviera, I read, is one of your favorite golf courses. Talk about being able to get your first win there. Yeah, that was that was pretty special. I, 
I uh, I had a good t- – I was playing um, the week before at Ben Crosby, and Larry Nelson gave me a little tip, and he just said, you know, just play one shot at a time. And that carried over uh, to L.A., which was the next week, and um, I thought about that, you know, as I played, and I, I was I was playing good. I was hitting the ball good, and, you know, I just needed to make a few putts, and uh, I felt like I was – getting close to playing really good and it all kind of came together that week. And, um, I love Riviera. I've always, I've always loved Riviera. It's just, you have to play every shot in your bag. You've got to move it both directions off the tee. Um, and it's, you know, it's just one of those great classic golf courses, uh, a lot of history there. And, you know, I remember last hole, I kind of pushed my tee shot over into the big uke over there on the right and uh, that those are the days that we didn't we weren't hitting pitching wedges into that hole i i had to cut a three three iron into that hole and i left it up on the hill and i knew lanny was already finished and i knew that i didn't want to have a and i didn't want to get in a playoff with lanny watkins on my second year on tour so uh i managed to hit a pretty good chip down there about five feet and I have no idea how I made that putt, but it went in. And to your point, Tom, you know, having beaten Lanny by a stroke there, and I, I would have had to, I, I got to believe you and Lanny developed a pretty good friendship because later on you partnered with Lanny to win the Shark Shootout over Greg Norman and Jack Nicholas. Talk about your relationship with Lanny. Yeah, Lanny and I've been, we, we were, we've been, we've been friends for quite a while. You know, he always, he always gives me grief about about me winning LA. He said, "How how in the world did you do that? This and that." But um, yeah, we we became pretty good friends, and we teamed up for a shark shootout. And 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 honestly, that's probably one of the most fun events um, that I had ever played at. Uh, three different formats, three different days, and it was at Sherwood, which is a as you know, great golf course. And um, you know, Lanny. He, he keeps saying that he he was he was my second caddy that week because he just kept telling me where to hit it, what what to hit, and this and that. Um, but he, he kept telling me, "Go, you know, if we shoot the lowest round every day, I think we'll win." And uh, <laughs> and and yeah, and we did, and it, it was it was a really fun event. Tom, you had a couple of top ten finishes in the U.S. Open. I want to start by talking about 1977. You had a share of the lead after the first round, and you were chasing Hubert Green for the next three rounds. And that was the year when someone called in saying that they were going to shoot Hubert Green out on the golf course on the 16th hole. And here he is, you know, on 14 at the time, and now all of a sudden he's got police escorts. You know, he's got to walk separately from his playing partners. You know, he had the option of, you know, getting fans off the course and delaying till the next day if he wanted, but he wanted to play on. Had to be an odd last round, at least last five or six holes. What was that? What do you remember from that tournament? What was it like for you? Well, it, that was a that was really tough last round. I was I I probably one of the better ball hitting rounds I've ever I've ever had. I mean the the those four days, um, playing really good, real confident, and then you know we got to the last day and. Hubert was playing right in front of me, and, and I could watch him 
as we were playing. Yeah, I think he was probably playing behind. But, you know, he was he was hitting it, you know, like Hubert does. He misses a few greens and gets it up and down and stuff. And I was watching this, and I was I felt like I was playing better and just not making the putts when I needed to. But we got around to the back side, and I was only – I think I was only one shot behind. It was just, it was Hubert, then me. And I was a, a shot behind him. And all of a sudden, on the 11th screen, they said, wait, we got to, we need to slow you down here because we're, we've got to water these greens. And no, they didn't tell us. They didn't tell us, hey, we're, we're slowing this down because Hubert had a death threat. No. So, you know, we're trying to figure out there's only one or two groups behind me. And why are they why are they stopping our play? You know, you you, you want to have a little rhythm and momentum as you're playing. You don't want to have to stop. And they stopped us three times uh, within a span of about four holes, and never told us why. So it was really it was really frustrating frustrating for me. Um, and uh, I, I ended up 13th hole as a par three along the road, and the wind was blowing real hard across. And they had made us wait on that tee box, and um, got up and hit. I had to hit a, I think I hit a two iron, and got it up in the air and hooked it a little bit, hit a tree and kicked out of bounds. So that was, that was kind of my, kind of the end of my day, um, but. You know, it's just frustrating for me because, you know, they made us, they kept making us wait, and we couldn't figure out why. Um, couldn't, you know, they didn't never told us that, hey, we're slowing you guys down, this and that. So, you know, it was, uh, it was just really frustrating for me. Let's fast forward a couple of years to '79 at the U.S. Open as well. You're in the Second to last group on Sunday, you're chasing down Hale Irwin. You get off to a great start, birdieing three of the first four holes, including sinking a bomb from all the way across the green on number four. Talk about being in the mix there. How do you know that, Chris? <laughs> but yeah, that, that is that, that is true. It was a bomb on number four. Um, I, I I I played for me the U.S. Open uh, growing up. The U.S. Open was always my favorite tournament, my the one that I wanted to win the most, and this and that, and um, getting off to that great start, um, I, I felt like I had a pretty good chance. And then I got around to, uh, I think it was number number eight, number seven or eight. It was a par five. And if you remember, I'm sure you do that. They put a tree up. We, we're yes. in the practice rounds. We we're hit, hitting it down the one of the other fairways. And then um, Wednesday night, the night before the tournament, they planted this big 30-foot pine tree. Um, so you, you almost couldn't go that way. Well, you know, and I was playing good, and, and I had made two birdies in the first three days going down the fairway. And I got this great idea. And I think, you know, probably it just showed my lack of experience. Um, uh, but I, I felt like, you know, I'm going to try and go down this other fairway. You could still, you know, if you miss this big, big uh, spruce, you could still go down that other fairway. And I hit a good drive. I hit it like I wanted to. And 
um, it hit kicked down in underneath some some other pine tree. So scrambled around there, and I think I made par. But you know, I just I just kind of lost uh, lost a little momentum uh, on that hole because uh, it was really a birdie hole uh, the whole week. I was I was thinking if I went down the other fairway, I could have had a chance of making a, an eagle. And, you know, I think getting off on that good start, I thought, well, this is my day. You know, everything I do is going to turn out gold, and and, uh, and it kind of didn't. But, you know, Inverness was a great golf course, and anytime you're chasing hail, it's, it's tough. Um, but, it, you know, it was a great experience. I, I um you know, I, I had I had my chances there the first, you know, couple couple times I played in the open and uh, just didn't get it done. I want to touch back on what you said about the the eighth hole for a second because it's it's sort of a head scratcher for me. It was a par five eighth hole. You know, guys like Chichi and Lon Hinkle and all they would turn like just like you said and drive it down the adjacent seventeenth fairway and then hit it back across to the eighth green. So to your point. You could get home in two and have a, have a shot at eagle, and then they plant this big old big old tree. And, and did they say anything to you guys? Were, were they just were they upset when they saw you guys in a practice round doing what you were doing? And clearly, it wasn't just you. Like that went that route. Did they say anything to you guys, or were you surprised when you got there the next day? Where the heck did this tree come from? <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't say a word. I don't. I don't. I don't know whether they. I think they might have made a, a statement, you know, uh, Thursday morning. I think they may have, there might have been a, a post somewhere that said, oh, and by the way, we've, no, you know, I don't, I don't know that they did that, but, um, yeah, they didn't, it, it wasn't until you got around to their, uh, to that hole that, oh, wait, that, what's that tree doing there? But, you know, <laughs> word kind of got around, word kind of got out fast. And, you know, we all, that was typical of the USGA back then. Tom, you're also in the mix at, uh, at the 1982 Open Championship over at Royal Troon, thanks to a brilliant second round, 66. Take us uh, through what your experience was like in the Open Championship. Well, I'd, I'd never really – that was the first time I'd ever played in the British Open or over in, uh, you know, England, Scotland at all, so – it was all it was all kind of new to me. I, I remember playing the the Western Open here, uh, and then I had a week before, uh, well, maybe five or six days before I was going to go had to go over and qualify. And I remember they let me practice at uh, Butler National uh, a few days after the tournament, and all I, all I remember doing is hitting low. Screaming, low screaming iron shots and and pitches and stuff, trying to keep the ball down because I was always high ball hitter. So, you know, for for me playing in the wind, that that was that was always a challenge. But um, you know, I, I I really enjoyed Troon right away when I first got over there, and I just loved the people around there. You know, the Scottish people, and and you know, I got to play a course called Western Gales. Um, for my um, for my qualifying tournament, and um, I got I got over there, you know, a couple of days early, and got to play a practice round and stuff. And I looking for a caddy, and and Jimmy was 
the caddy master. And he was probably at that time, he was probably, I don't know, 65 or so older gentleman. And, um, he, he said, you get through the, he said, lad, you get through the tournament and I'll caddy for you in the, in the, in the main event. So I said, okay, that's the deal. So son caddied for me and, and I got through and he shows up on, on, on Thursday, you know, I, Going in is true, and there's only one road uh, going in, and um, I didn't – I miscalculated. I wasn't planning on having that many people. So I got to my tea time. I got to the golf course 15 minutes before my tea time. So he's waiting there for me, and um, he's in a he's in a three-piece suit and a trench coat. And it was probably, wow. I don't know, 75 or 80, but anyway – um, so didn't have much time to practice. And I think I shot 76 the first day and then shot 66 the next day and got back in it. But, um, you know, it was a great experience. I, I love playing. I love playing over there. And I, you know, when, when I was exempt, every time I was exempt, I played. And then I think I went over and tried to qualify a couple more times, but you know, I love playing over there. And Tom, like I mentioned in your intro, you won five times on the PGA Tour, and on top of the LA Open, you won the Phoenix Open in '84, the Southwest Classic in '88, the Southwestern Bell Colonial in '91, and then on the Champions Tour at the SBC Classic, the Hope Classic out in Newport Beach, AT&T Champions Classic in Southern California. So really, put Southwest in the name or play the tournament in Southern California, Arizona, and you are the man to beat. What was it about the courses out in the Southwest and Southern California that fit your eye so well? I I don't really know other than, uh, you know, I guess I must like Poana Green. Um, but I don't know. For some reason, yeah, the only – so really the only tournament I went up north was uh, at Firestone there, World Series. Um, but other than that, you know, it was all, it was pretty much, you know, California, Arizona, and one couple in Texas. Um, and I guess I was probably comfortable playing those golf courses because, um, those were pretty similar to what I grew up on. Um, but, you know, I just, I like the golf course, Valencia, the, the tournament, the Champions Tour event there, one twice there, and, and once, uh, at Newport Beach, um, you know, it's just, they're just fun golf courses. Um, you know, you, you drive it good and you get rewarded. And, you know, driving was probably usually the better part of my game. So, Tom, just a couple more before I let you go. And you've got eight kids, two sets of twins, and your twin girls are Robin and Julie, named after Robin Yount and Julie Inkster. Talk about your relationship with those two. I met Robin. Uh, we played in a in a little pro am, and he's a great you know great athlete. Uh, but he was he could really play golf. He was really good player, and we just hit it off. He's a he loves cars. He loves to go fast and anything. Uh, so we had a few things in common, and um, so we you know we just hit it off. He's such. He's so down to earth. Uh, you'd never know he was a, you know, two-time MVP, you know, World Hall of Fame uh, baseball player, and he's he just a 
just a great guy, great human being. Um, and then Julie, we got paired, a friend of ours got us paired together in the mixed team. Um, her first, I think it was her first year out on, on the tour for, uh, for the LPGA. And we, we got, we got hooked up in the, in the mixed team and we ended up winning. So that was a pretty good way of a start. But again, Julie's the same, same person as Robin, just, you know, a wonderful human being, just, uh, you know, down to earth. She loves any, all kinds of sports. Um, she's just a sports fanatic and, you know, and, and, you know, they're, they're not themselves. Um, and that's kind of unusual, um, in our sport. And I just, you know, I just enjoyed being around both of them so much. And we're still, the three of us are still friends uh, to this day. And, um, you know, it's great. I've met so many, I've been lucky to have so many good friends, you know, on, on tour, Jay Haas and uh, Freddie Couples and, um, you know, just a, a whole number of uh, really good people. Um, and I think that's, you know, a tribute to the, our game, to the game of golf that, you know, you, you, you have to work with, you have to work for what you get. And, uh, you know, you know, you don't have anybody else. You can't rely on anybody else to help you through. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's just, you know, as you know, golf is just a great game. Uh, and I think what Tom was saying earlier, you know, the, 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 the golf is getting the better athletes now, you know, they know that they can play, um, you know, for a length of time, their career isn't as short as a lot of the other major sports. So, and the money's huge, and um, you know, every everything about golf is it's become it's it's got it's always been gentleman's sport, and it's you know it's even still that way. So, um, you know, it's just I'm I'm fortunate that I was lucky enough to play that my dad uh, introduced me to this great game. Tom, talk about your golf academy and what you're doing now. You know what? I'm I'm that's I pretty much my brother's golf academy. I'll help him, you know, if he needs if he gets a, a bigger group in or if he wants me to help him, I'll I'll help him with the with the academy. But um we're doing we're still doing some schools. Um and that's fun. I enjoy I enjoy teaching. Um I've had well I've been blessed to be uh, with a lot of great teachers. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I always, I always like hearing different philosophies on teaching and, um, and, you know, just get, hearing different ways of doing the same thing. Um, I, I was really lucky and, you know, Peter Costas, Butch, Butch Harmon, I spent a lot of time with him. Um, and, uh, just, so many good, really good teachers. I was lucky. Hank Johnson, you know, a lot of the Golf Digest teachers, um, I, I was able to hang around with those guys a lot. And um, so that that helped a lot. So I do enjoy teaching, and my brother's a good teacher there in Phoenix. And um, we we do we do have fun when we do some clinics um, and, and some schools. So other than that, I, I'm, you know, my, 
I, I've struggled with my short game the last uh, three or four years, and and as most golfers know, that's not much fun if you're if you're struggling with stuff like that. It, it makes it hard to score, and it's frustrating. Um, but I still like in a few uh, events in the in our Southwest section, um, so that's kind of fun. Um, so I do like doing that, but uh, I just. I, I just enjoy the game. I still, I still like to hit balls. I've always liked to hit balls and practice, you know, that way. Um, but it's, you know, it's been fun. And like I, like I said, I, I get a chance to, to help some people um, teach, and I, I help a few juniors uh, around the Phoenix area. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a fun deal. Well, Tom, how can our listeners stay up to date with what you're doing and, and follow you guys, whether it's uh, online on your website or over social media? Um, let's see. I'm on – I don't know that I'm huge on social media. I'm on – let's see. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. Uh, I got off of Twitter. And uh, my brother's got a – I think it's Pertzer Golf, uh, Um That's how we can – how you can stay in touch. It's funny. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten to meet a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, on Facebook, you know, there's so many golf is, is, has gotten me in touch with so many, you know, I got a bunch of new friends that are, and it's just totally golf related. So, um, but that's, but that, I think that's probably the easiest way. Um, but I need to get a, I need okay. to have a, a good, I need to have a good, um, um, what do you call it? <laughs> I need to have a good website. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come and be a part of the show. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. Anytime, Chris. I enjoy I enjoy listening to your show and your podcast and everything. That's you're you're a knowledgeable. So I I enjoy I enjoy listening to your stuff. Well, I appreciate that very much. Tom, stay safe. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. You got it, Chris. Thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely. Take care, Tom. Okay. That's the great Tom Purser. Again, a nine-time winner on tour, 15 total professional wins, sweetest swing on tour. Tom Patrick talked about it at the top of the show. And uh, for those that uh, you're around my age and you remember watching Tom play on the both on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour, you know why they say that he has such a great swing. And um, what a wonderful man! That was that was a lot of fun. I hope we get the privilege of catching up again with Tom real soon. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. 
What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.